Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and welcome to The Ziggler Show. In this episode, the success strategy of kindness. I mean, for your success strategy, what tools will you choose? Grit, willpower, talent, perseverance. I got a national correspondent for ABC News who has all of those, but she cites her most beneficial asset has been kindness. I mean, you probably think of being kind as a nice thing to do, right? That may be the least value. Adrian Banker, she credits kindness for her rapid career trajectory that took her from a traffic anchor at a local news station to the coveted role of national correspondent for ABC News. In her new book, Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and Connects You with Anyone, she outlines the continual opportunities and promotions, which time and time again were bestowed upon her because of her devotion to being kind to everyone at all times, which is not an easy prospect, as you're going to hear on the show. I mean, this shows really gives you a different perspective on being kind, which is not always being nice, as you're going to hear as well. well Adrian is an Emmy award winning journalist known for her compelling interviews. She was the pop news anchor for the weekend edition of Good Morning America and is now a New York based national correspondent for ABC News. Just type her name into your search engine, hit news, and you'll generally find national coverage from her within the past 48 hours. You can find Adrian's new book and get access to the Your Hidden Superpower e-course by going to yourhiddensuperpower.com. I'm going to bring Adrian to you right after I share some great products and services. Well, Adrian, yeah, this topic of kindness that you're bringing to us is incredible. And I'll have to admit that I was reading in the book and I just now thought of it and I pulled up your talk with the cast of A Star is Born. Uh, yeah. So I come in a little misty because it did. It just, I'm going to go watch the movie again. It was incredible. But what hit me is as you're sitting in front of them, for them to have the emotional outpouring that they had they have to feel safe. They have to be willing to open up. And they did that with you. And I'm going to cite that back to your, uh, not to call it a, a spirit, but your, your strategy and spirit of kindness that allowed that to happen. So back to the point of your book, this isn't just an altruistic, nice thing to do. You're saying what I heard you saying loud and clear and why you're on the show with me right now is saying, no, no, being kind. It's, it's your superpower. That's what you named yes. the book. It's your super, superpower. It is your primary strategy for success. That's what you're bringing forth. That, that is, yeah, that is not, as you said, before we came on, that is not the common perspective that we have, which is why I think everybody on earth needs to hear this message from yeah, it really, it's something where I am hoping that when people read the book, and I think it's cool that you went and actually found the video of the interview to kind of see it in real time, but it is the means by which we can unlock any other superpowers we have. Yeah. It is the key to authenticity because people don't just open up in front of anybody. I mean, there are some people who are oversharers, but most people don't have to do that, especially people who are high achieving or celebrities or influencers or whatever you want to call um, persons of high standing. Right. So when you can make someone know that this is a respectful environment, this is an honorable environment, this is a kind environment and you can do it quickly, then you have the opportunity to open doors of opportunity to connect on a very genuine level, which I think all of us are craving. And to really feel like we're ourselves. I think a lot of times we can walk through life and just not feel like ourselves, especially right now. But kindness has helped me tap into that. And that's why I think anybody can tap into it. And that's why it's a superpower. Well, I appreciate you just used the word opportunity. And that's what I saw that without that it opens up opportunity. And if we're not practicing kindness in this way that you outline that we're going to dig into, we are just missing out on opportunity, uh, period. I mean, you're in a place right now where you are applauded as you're in your role and with your peers for what you do and how well you do it. And yet you are, uh, your own success continues to grow and it seems to be, and that's what you relate to in the book, not for what you do, but in addition, how you be, who you be, mm -hmm. who you be, who you be. <laughs> yeah. Who you be. That's the question. I think I answer that in chapter two. It's uh -huh. like, who are you? Yeah. And um, I remember for a season, I was like asking people at work, I would just stop them and say, if I asked you, who are you, would you know? If I asked you, do you love yourself, would you know? Yeah. 
And people would look at me with this deer in headlights gaze. And I realized that this was really something that we needed to get to the bottom of. Because if you if you know who you are, I feel like you can do anything. Mm -hmm. If you know who you want to help, you can achieve anything. And so it just unlocks a lot more of the why and the what that people tend to start with. We tend to start with what we want to do, what our goals are. And then we look at why you know that's a big question you got to know your why Mm -hmm. i think the first answer about all of those things in achievement and accomplishment is who are you start with the identity and when kindness is your identity i describe it as a mechanism for giving you a knee-jerk reaction to kindness that goes far beyond thinking that kind is a nice idea or as you said like a polite thing to do um when it's your identity it's there are no excuses and there's always something to anchor yourself in rather than feeling like you want to be kind today. You will act kind out of who you are. Yeah. So bringing this to the tangible value that you are of saying, and I'm going to paraphrase some and expound on this because I want people to hear the hook of this, that again, this is not, this is kindness in a new frame of life. This is you saying, mm-hmm. no, you want to rise to the top of wherever you are. You want success. You want achievement. And ask if they ask you, what did I do? You're saying, be kind. So now back to what you just said, though, your identity. I mean, you're, you're, we're into psychology at this point and of saying, are you, could we say what, let me ask this, what does it take internally to be kind? Because I am well aware that there are things that I can know that I may not be able to actually do in real life, especially when the moment hits and to be able to be kind, talk to me about the personality aspects of self image that are going to need to be in place for you to be able to do that authentically and responsibly. Well, I think that inherently we all know what a vision of kind looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I tell something in the book, like um, I, I tell a story or I tell a phrase and I say, you know, we remember the kind waitress or the kind flight attendant or the kind nurse or doctor. You know, we might not re- even remember their name, but we remember how they treated us and how we felt because they were able to be kind to us and make us feel safe mm-hmm. in that moment. Kindness makes you extremely memorable. But like I said, again, knowing that kindness is your identity, knowing if you look up the word kind, you see thoughtfulness and consideration, but you also see it in a different definition as nature, natural propensity and determination, like your genus and species. Yeah. So don't try to figure out the personality aspect of kind. Just decide you are kind and as you, as you accept that as your genus and species, as you accept the fact that kind is something you already have, like I've met people who say, oh, well, I just believe there are certain people who will never be kind. You can't help them. But I say that you know, there's a reason why we are called humankind. Mm-hmm. There really is a deeper reason than just vocabulary. Yeah. I hadn't thought <laughs> I about really that. I really believe it's inside of us inherently to be generous to to each other and we want that and inside of all of us is an ask i say like inside of all of us we want something we want more appreciation we want a coffee you know we want somebody to be nice to us at work or to meet the perfect romantic someone we're asking for something and isn't it wonderful when you get to grant the requests of someone whose dreams are not so big to you that they're impossible. To them, they might be impossible. They might think, oh my God, how am I gonna get to this point in my journey? But to you, you're like, I can help you with that. I can give you appreciation. I can go get you a coffee. I can help you with your resume. I can introduce you to my cousin who's very handsome and has a nice job and (laughs) is nice to animals and children. You know, I mean, we there are things inside of all of us that we want. And to me, kindness is just saying, I don't, I don't only want to make you happy, but I, I'm not only want to help you, but I want to make you happy. And when I found out that that was a definition of kindness from the oldest dictionaries that you can look up, kindness is not just helping the needy. Kindness is making people happy and we all want to be happy. So it goes beyond personality. It goes deeper. It's something that all of us have in common. It unifies us. It's very inclusive. So let me, let me put on their humility. You just talked about helping the needy and Oh gosh, make it tangible. I mean, you just uh, to come back to your uh, interview with the cast of uh, a stars born. You were there for them. 
you were not there for, for you. They weren't digging in and asking you questions, at least not on camera. The point was for you to bring out the beauty and the essence of them, which you did amazingly, uh, uh, dramatically, but you didn't have needs for yourself in that. So if we put that into the next talk with a boss, manager, coworker, spouse, uh, friend, then we're talking about a level of selflessness. I need, I can't be super needy if I'm going to go there and pull the needs out of other people. But that's, and we can sit here and say that, but we know that when the moment happens, that's very difficult because we as humans, we're all, we're all about need. Uh, so come into that aspect of, of just, yeah, our own humanity, uh, what you talked about, humankind. Well, like I said, you know, when you know it's your identity, it's not hard anymore. Like psychologically, it's hard because you're like, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. And, and all of us have those moments. I've had those moments recently. Well, I want it this way. You know, we, we want to be control freaks of our own lives. Yeah. But yeah. the same mechanism that causes us to want to make ourselves happy, <laughs> when you flip it, you say, you know what? Let me press pause. What do you need right now? We can't always say those words out loud to our boss or to a manager but they do have an ask. Uh So rather than see it as a neediness, see it as you are now a problem solver versus somebody who has a problem. Take your problem hat off and decide, I'm gonna put this on the shelf right now. How can I solve your problem? How can I be the answer walking in a room? It builds your confidence and your self-esteem when you're not always seeing yourself as lacking something. Uh Instead, you're saying, you know what? I'm somebody's answer to their ask. And every person has an ask. It humanizes all of us. It humanizes the person who makes, you know, a bazillion dollars a year. And it humanizes the person who's our boss, who we feel isn't as emotive as we are. And it humanizes the person on the street who has nothing to eat. All of us have a question mark inside of us. And all of us have the power to be somebody's answer. Adrian, I was, I'm so gratefully, I was given uh, as a kid, the, awareness of social awareness of other people. I learned PR skills. I learned it from a sales aspect, how to influence others, how to win friends and influence people. You know, the age old classic, which I, I love. I learned that I'm so grateful for that. And I learned even from a selfish aspect to go into a, a room with people and see how I could fill their needs because it served me well. Now that's not super altruistic but it came to light for me again, thinking about it when I read in your book, the difference between being nice and being kind. <laughs> well, it stepped on my toes um, because I am very prone to just being nice in my hurry and being really nice and smile, but I'm just trying to get to my thing. I am not there to be kind. So, uh, but give that at face value. Those are so interlinked, but you did such a great job of segmenting those. Will you do that for us? Yeah, I mean, I call nice a hello in the hallway and kind and embrace, you know, of connection. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of times we are endeavoring to be kind, but all we do is nice. Yeah. And so we stop short of seeing the power behind kindness. We mix the two words up because we want to abbreviate being kind. We want to make it something we can fit into our tight schedule. But if I could... My, my whole goal in writing that chapter was to separate the two, but also to show you it's not bad to be nice, it's just you wanna graduate. You know, if mm. you just stop it nice, you'll only have limited results. People will think of you as a nice person. Well, isn't that great for you? But when you graduate to the next step of kindness, you will make people feel more connected and more comfortable wherever you are. And when people feel safe with you, They'll open up doors for you. They'll open themselves up to you. They'll help you open up. And the coolest thing about kindness is it examines your heart by you acting on it. So it's kind of like working out. When you go to the gym and you're like, I'm in shape and I'm going to go do this and I have a goal. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And you go there and you're so excited to work out and you know you're pressing yourself to work out. And so you're working out. That's really nice. But what the kind thing is about exercise and fitness is it shows you where you're not in shape. Yeah, yeah. It shows you where you need to improve. It shows you where you really aren't ready for those 35 pound dumbbells. And so that's to me what kindness does. It's very much like a fitness regimen. And I saw it that way. And working out is not my favorite thing to do. But when I saw Mm -hmm. kindness as an analogy to fitness and nutrition, I realized how much 
value a regimen of kindness is. Nice is something you do because you're hurried and you think it's the right thing and you're obligated and you're a polite person and you don't want to tick anybody off. And a lot of people are non-confrontational people. Kind is what you do and who you are when you want to truly connect with as many people as possible for the greatest impact as possible because you know that we're all intrinsically linked together and you know that connection and relationship is really how the world goes around. It's not a series of handshakes and pats on the back and nice words exchanged in email. That doesn't necessarily cause us to connect, but it does cause us to not have as many enemies, we think. So we keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You just, uh, you again, you, you, called me out right there. I am, <laughs> I am, I am super non-conflict. I'm ridiculously, it, it, and it comes into play in every relationship I have from my, my marriage to my wife, to my business partnerships. And so in that I will tend to be nice. And what you got me ruminating on again, and needy, needfully. So is oftentimes I am not willing to be kind and invest in that relationship in a way that may be hard because I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there and risk conflict because I've got my own baggage for that. And you talk about that in the book. It doesn't mean you're being kind and in so dealing with the hard stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because you can't be mentored. You know, I think everybody needs a tour guide in life. I call life the greatest adventure you'll ever have. And if I was going to Nepal and going mountain biking, I'd want a Sherpa. So life is supposed to be more exciting to me than that. More of an adventure. Uh, more of a cliffhanger in some ways. So why wouldn't I have a tour guide for that? What I learned is with mentoring, they're not there to be your friend and they're going to confront things. And confrontation doesn't mean it's a fight. Confrontation means you go face to face with who you are and what you really want. Hmm. And you and you look it in the eye and you don't deny what's going on inside of you, outside of you. And so for me, it's like mentors aren't always nice. They sometimes step on your toes. They sometimes say things that are against your belief system. And you have to decide right there. Does that mean this person isn't right for me because they are showing me this that I don't agree with? Or is it they're showing me a different perspective because they climbed a higher mountain? And so in endeavoring to be better coachable, more teachable, I've realized that kindness will tell you the truth, even if it risks the relationship. Wow. Most people are not willing to risk their relationship for the truth. They're willing to tell you the nice thing to avoid a confrontation because they don't want to lose you. And I've been a mentor for many years and risked many relationships. Um, People have not always liked how I've said something or the way I've said it or what I've said. But my intention was to help you grow. And you can't grow without a battle. Working out is a battle. Lifting weights and running on that treadmill and putting it on an incline is not the most fun thing in the world for most people. Now, there are some crazies out there who love it, but I'm not a glutton for punishment. I'd rather walk casually with an ice cream cone, but that's not (laughs) going to cause me growth except for the kind of growth that I don't want. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I want people to hear that line. Kindness will tell you the truth, even if it risks relationships. And you're really turning a different perspective on kindness, which again is why you're here, why you wrote the book. I want to know when it germinated for you? I mean, was this something that you were taught, that you were mentored in, that you had the privilege of growing up in a home where this was emulated? Uh, and, and even if that, if some of those are so, was there a point where you realized, uh, well, the catalyst for the book, the catalyst for the thought, when did you realize this is something that specifically needs to come out? When did that happen? Well, it was my mentor who told me you should write a book on kindness oh. because this is something that I would never have chosen to write on. Let me just tell you right now. I thought there were plenty of books on kindness. If you want to be kind, go read a book on kindness. There's plenty out there. But when he said to me, no, 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 you need to write a book on kindness, Adrian, because he saw how he was coaching me in kindness, but he saw my work in it. You know, it was like building new muscles in terms of being kind. It was learning a new way to do business in in an industry that's very high pressure. And something I say in the first chapter is the world is demanding more of us than just doing a job well. Mm -hmm. The world, every industry, every person, every manager, every corporation is asking us to be kind under pressure, to not offend people, to not say anything ugly to conduct ourselves with integrity behind closed doors. Increasingly, we've always been a culture that wants people to be good, but now it's saying, no, you have no other choice. What you say on social media can't come back to haunt you. What you tell somebody in a closed door meeting can be recorded and played for the whole world to hear. So 
you know, something that my mother told me, and it came up in chapter three is somebody's always watching Adrian. I was a little girl and she was preparing me for an audience and didn't even know it. I'm one of seven kids and she would always be like, Adrian, you're a role model for your brothers and sisters. But not only that, if you don't see anybody around you, somebody's always watching you. She, this was prior to people's cell phones being so handy that they could record anything I or any of us could do. And it just really came back to me that I needed to teach other people that if you will act like somebody's always watching you, you will value yourself more. There's a reason why certain people are famous or at the top of the heap. They know their impact at a greater degree than somebody who doesn't. It's not, not everybody's meant to be famous. Not everybody's going to even desire that. But there is one benefit to wanting to be on screen or at the front of the stage. You know somebody cares enough about you to pay attention. And we all really want that. We all want to be seen. All I'm asking people now is to really believe they are seen. That somebody is always watching. You are listening to The Ziggler Show. Uh, in my talk with ABC News national correspondent, Adrian Bankert. Next, we get into her role as a TV personality, but her desire to positively influence people, which she's doing at a great degree today. So we're going to be right back with her after I share some great products and services. Well, that right there, the people who are in the limelight, and we are in a media-driven world, as you know better than anyone, and you, Adrian, your impact is magnified uh, so much. Is that part of what brought the acuity of this issue, you know, to the forefront for you? Because it is so, um, you influence so many people, uh, you know, and on that, I mean, you wrote in the book about your early desire to the goal of becoming a national news correspondent back then. I doubt, well, I'll ask you, did you have the thought of, I will be what you're doing now that the fruition of today is that you are an influencer, you in and of yourself. It's not what you do. It's not just being uh, there and doing a good news anchoring or a good reporting scene like you did with the cast of uh, star is born. It is now placed you as one of those people who is influencing others. Uh, was that ever a thought early on, or is that just the fruition of what you've done? No, I think I always wanted to help people, always. I wanted to influence people positively. I didn't want to influence them negatively. And it was through working in television that gave me an understanding that we all should act like we have a hot mic on us all the time. Mm -hmm. I think for me, and you said it very well when you said that this is the title or the role that you are fulfilling and this is the fruit or, you know, the impact is the result of what you're doing. But for me, all of our industries are analogies. If we will look at them as a picture, like a, like a word picture of what we're really supposed to be teaching other people. You know, you as a person in media and broadcasting yourself, if I act like I'm on a hot mic all the time, just like I would if I was sitting at an anchor desk, I, had to, I learned that different people at work would speak a little more freely than others on a hot mic. And that that meant other people could hear their personal conversation, even when we were in a commercial break, just before we were about to get on air or while we were in a story. And I would think as a young reporter anchor, I would say, what if our mics clipped and they accidentally were broadcast right now? Mm -hmm. I would think about that Mm -hmm. constantly. And now, you know, fast forward all these years, how many times have we seen hot mic moments? You know what I mean? For me, it was an example not just of the microphone, but of the message that we're sending out constantly. What am I saying about my bosses behind closed doors? What am I saying about my colleagues or my friends when they're not listening? And just thinking about reputation and thinking about, you know, how bad negative gossip spreads. I thought, well, kindness and generosity spread just like gossip in the positive sense, because people get to know you through how you act. And so I think for me, it was just like, Television made me even more aware that we all are influencers. That's really what I I talk about in the book. Whether you're on national broadcast television or a podcast with millions of people, or you're a mom who has children watching everything you do. I talk about it from the parental side. I say, you know, parents tell me that knowing their children are watching them to grow up to be just like them, somebody's always watching. You know, those kids are gonna be grownups one day and impact other neighborhoods. 
if you're somebody who owns a business in your neighborhood, people are watching you. They're watching to see how you're handling this COVID-19 situation. Are your employees wearing masks? Are you opening up? Are you a little bit frustrated by the governmental policies right now and you want to go you know, against the grain or you want to do something that you believe is your constitutional right? People are watching you and we all influence each other. Social media and technology to me are analogies for where we are in our culture. A teenager or a child who's age nine can have a YouTube channel and have millions of followers. They are now a mega influencer for people in their age category and even older. So none of us is exempt and none of us is so special. We all are like me. We all have a great impact and a great influence. We just want to start to make a, a kind influence. And, you know, on that, I'll just give a, a, a call out to folks. Go find Adrian, type in a Adrian Bankert and uh, Instagram. And I think it would be as of this recording, it should have been yesterday, I think Tuesday, May 19th or so. And you read a letter to yourself about the coronavirus. Yes. Uh, which again, came back to the influence that you have and that kindness has given you. And uh, just everybody would be well served to, uh, to go check that out and connect with, with you there. You talked a minute ago about just the culture that we're in and what the, you know, what the corporations are, are needing. We need people who can do things. You mentioned kind under pressure. And so I continue to read about that. The soft skills, they call them though. I had somebody appropriately say recently, no, those are the essential skills that we have less and less of. And here we are talking about kindness and most of us, especially those who you know grew up in church like I did, you're thought, yeah, be kind, be nice to your sister or your brother or to whoever. And, and it's not given the gravity of this. But when we come to these, I'm just going to call them these social skills, the reality that we do not have any place that teaches us this. Unless we have parents that do, it's not being taught in school. It's not being taught in work, even to where you are as in your, in your job. Now you talked about a mentor who was helping you in this direction, but did you ever have anybody come and say, okay, if you want to be at the top of the heap, uh, in the the media, as you're striving for, you need to understand these specific people skills. Did that happen? No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Doesn't that seem ridiculous? No. Well, I think that it's it seems as though we have been telling a subliminal message to our culture that you should know better. You should know better. You should know what kind means and you should know better. And as an adult, it's assumed that we know enough. But I liken it to love where I say, you know, you're a teenager at 16. And you fall in love with your high school sweetheart and you think, you know, love. Hmm. And then you're 25 and you get married and you think, you know, love. And then you're married for 10, 15 years and you have three kids. Now you're starting to really understand love, you know? And I feel like kindness has been relegated to a very elementary concept when really what we've needed to do to to really unlock the power of it. Because again, there have been lots of kindness campaigns and I definitely applaud anybody who teaches random acts of kindness and who teaches that we should all be kind and there are signs up and there are great Instagram accounts and I follow a lot of those on my um, unbeatable, the unbeatable kind Instagram. We have that on Facebook too for the book. But here's where I say we need to improve or graduate to. Okay. Kindness has to be intentional, has to be taught as a lifestyle, has to be delved into deeper, just like love, just like physics, just like anything, yeah. in order to unlock its superpower. It doesn't take a lot of time to do it with kindness, though, because it is such a part of us chromosomally at our at our core, we know kindness. The problem is, if you just go to the gym once every eight months, you're not gonna get the benefits of it, even though your body craves exercise and craves weight-bearing exercises and weightlifting and craves to get out and get fresh air and run and jump and spin, just like when you were a kid, it's just that you stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm saying, let's make kindness our new keto. Let's make kindness our new fitness regimen. Let's decide to be who we are designed to be. I was going to ask the question for us as humankind, what most, what do you see most? I do want to ask that question. See threatens our own efforts of kindness, but I'm going to start with you. We all have our own Achilles heels. Just you, you know, this stuff, you're living this stuff. You're now the evangelist of this. I'm going to call you. And yet in your own walk, of kindness, where, or can I even say who may threaten 
your ability to walk this out are there certain circumstances or certain people even certain personality types that you find oh my goodness this is where it's hardest for me to walk this walk i think that all of us are tested the most by the people closest to us hmm. i think you know and this is something through being coached that i've realized is so true the reason why you need to be kind to everyone to the grocery store clerk to the pharmacy uh, representative to the stranger at the street corner to the person in traffic is so that you create the muscle memory so that you can be kind to the people who have the most ability to hurt your feelings yeah the most ability to know you know your past and claim that you're not as advanced or as cleaned up as you say you are and so to me it's in loving or being kind to the people who are unkind to you on a regular basis hmm. <laughs> Yeah. That, That's what I would say. <laughs> I've learned a couple tactics, though. I have really good tactics. One of them share. is- Share. Yeah. Okay. Go. So, um, and I like to call myself, you know, somebody who is human, just like everybody else and has, you know, unkind moments. Um, all of us do. Like, you're, you're going to have moments. But what you have to remember is that all of us are triggered by positive and negative things. So, just like a drug addict or somebody who used to be involved in any type of abusive relationship can be triggered to whatever past experiences. We can be triggered to how somebody yelled at us on the job or at home. And it's like, as soon as they raise their voice, we go right back to that thing. Sure. Well, it was Brad Pitt that taught me that he could go into a scene and literally put himself there. The real Brad in that emotional scene then have to shake that off walk away and move on to the next meal or the next movie. So we have to literally shake off and we feel ourselves going there into that old way, that old emotion from the past. We have to almost treat it like it's a bad movie. Yeah. Like, nope, I don't, want to, I don't want to watch this movie. Turn it off. And if you have to walk away, if you take a walk around the block, go on a trip to the grocery store because right now there are very few places you can go in New York to like escape. Maybe the park, um, you can shake it off. That's number one. Number two is you have to remember that whoever is snapping at you might have something else going on that has nothing to do with you. Highly likely that they're dealing with their own negative triggers or trauma. There was a, a gentleman who worked at my first news station and it's one of the key things in the book is he snapped at me and I wanted to snap back. And I, you know, I stopped myself and I thought, what is wrong with him? Well, I found out later his mother had died the night before. And so I'll never forget for the rest of all time that anybody who yells at me, I remember that man. Hmm. And I remember his face and how angry he was and how mean he was when he spoke those words. But I remember the pain that he had to have been in because his mother had passed away the night before. And so every time somebody yells or screams or snaps or has a high pressure moment, I think somebody must have died. Now, that might be dramatic to some people, but I really do use it on a regular basis. Somebody must have died. And it helps snap me to attention so that I'll give a compassionate response. There's one more thing that I do, and that is with people that don't act the way that I like. Because there are just people that you just don't particularly like. Sure, sure. <laughs> you either don't like them as people or you don't like the way they act. I mean, yeah. it's one or the other. Um, and I treat them as though it's their last day on earth. Hmm. You know, we're told all the time, like, live like it's your last day. Yeah. Well, if I live like it's my last day, then I'm on borrowed time right now. But I believe I'm going to live a long time. I don't know about you. So I'm going to treat you, whoever you is, like it's your last day. Because if I knew it was your last day, I would treat you with so much honor and so much compassion. And I would be kind to you. And I'd bring you your favorite meal. And I'd sit at your bedside. And I would get my conscience clear of anything that was between us. Yeah. Because I know you don't have much time left. And I would feel terrible for the rest of my life if I was holding any hardened feelings or negative feelings towards you. That would make me feel like a terrible human. Mm -hmm. So you see, those are three ways. Shake it off like Brad Pitt. Who doesn't want to be like Brad, I say. <laughs> <laughs> um, think that somebody might have died. They're going through something you don't know what they're going through. That's a big lesson in empathy. And three, treat people, especially those that are not as nice, kind, pleasant or like you that you would want them to be as though it's their last day because a compassion will rise on the inside of you and you'll understand the brevity of life, the shortness yeah. of life. I mean, you as a part of your, 
your role that we talk about, I mean, you have to be fairly insightful. I mean, it has to be a skill of just like there, back to that interview of the uh, a stars born cast. When you're watching them, you're having to cue in. I mean, I love the again the acuity of of your role that you have to cue in because you're on a mic. You're on you're on the mic. You're on the camera. You're watching yeah. them. You've got to come up with what's your next question or what's your next insight of them that's going to derail the question you had because you're just seeing. Oh my goodness, we have an opportunity. We need to go another way. We need to respond. You do to the emotion to that. I mean, but that's again we're back to the people skills, and I almost wish that we all had to go through that training because my wife wants me to be that way to her. My kids want me to be that way to them. My, my coworkers and employees and, and who doesn't want, I want that. I want you looking at me just like you are now watching. That's why we do zoom so we can see each other and watching those subtle nuances of, of emotion to see when you're, how you're feeling, how you're reacting. And yet the average person, I mean, I know that by humanity, it still amazes me that I can do it myself. Even knowing this stuff that I can walk in and realize, oh my gosh, the last five minutes, I, I have no idea. It's like driving along on a long distance you know, drive and you realize an hour has gone by. I have no idea what I've been doing. That I can do that in a social situation sometimes and I'm just thinking about myself. What I want to add in, you know, the one up story, the whatnot, that this is, well, you, going back to what you said, that you've got to do this so intentionally so yeah. that you can react because in that's in that space maybe that's it you don't have time to formulate a response you've got to react so if you haven't trained it that, isn't that what you said it's more you know because i was just thinking of the interview situation if you read my book you'll understand how to do this in a new level if you really like use the examples and it's it's the entry level you know this is this is years of of practice sure and I, but I really believe that anybody can build up their um, superpower. That's the best word I can use. You can build up your superpower. It's like a muscle. Well, you said muscle I, memory earlier. Yeah. It's muscle memory. It's not, it's not something that you have to go outside of yourself and find. You have it in you to be fully engaged with your children and your wife right now. You want to know why? Why? Because you have them. Yeah. They, they belong to you. And I don't mean that in a sure. weird way. It's just somewhere in you, it clicked in your brain or your heart that you wanted to be married, that you wanted to be a father. These are people who are a part of the dream that's already something that came from the inside of you. You desired that. So when you know that, then you'll, you'll understand that there is something in you that's already honed to act correctly with them. When I go into an interview with anybody, I believe I belong there. Hmm. I believe I am, I own that space. And it is my responsibility to create the atmosphere that would allow them to know that they're safe to be themselves. It's not about pandering or placating or getting them to say something I want. I, I, I do enough research about them. I understand them. I, I read up stories that most people wouldn't look up about them. And then I throw the cards. I, I don't look at another note card. And I'm fully present and engaged because I know as long as they know that I am trustworthy to share and exchange with, yeah. as long as I've created an atmosphere of that trust, which I talk about in the book. But the biggest part of it is I own it. When you own the fact that you're this woman's husband, when you own the fact that you're these children's father, these are a part of your dream. They came from your dream inside of you. They came from your desire on the inside of you. The people sitting in front of me, there's a reason they're there. I own the fact that I'm supposed to be interviewing whoever, Scarlett Johansson or Ryan Reynolds or whoever. It gives me a different level of confidence yeah. so that I can be more engaged. It's not about anybody's reaction. I don't want reaction. I want engagement. And when there's fully present people in the room, you can fully connect with them and what they need and what sensitively somebody needs here and somebody needs there. And because that, that star is born, it was a full cast. It was five people. Was it four. four? Four people. So that's four personalities yeah. that I need to be attuned to and be sensitive to and be respectful of. But when you carry respect, I, I say this in the book, I treat celebrities that are sitting in front, in front of me or anybody you like you're the genius you're you have the highest iq of anybody in the room you are the you know you're worthy of a lot of respect because i respect that person sitting across from me when that woman feels that respect that total engagement she'll act differently 
She'll ask different questions. You'll know different things because that honor is present. And, and when you have that, welcome them, honor them, respect them. Those three things, you can connect with them. Welcome, honor, and respect. Okay, we're back to kindness. But what you just laid out, I love that you said, I believe I belong there. And your confidence comes out. And I was going to ask about that. But you're, it's putting yourself in control of the response that you expect to get back. I mean, that's, that's just not how we come at, you know, humanity overall, but you're showcasing to us at a, and again, I I keep using the same word, but in an acute way about how powerful, well, the superpower is, that's the title of your book is that you have the ability to influence heavily. I won't say, I was about to say dictate. That's too strong. Influence heavily. The response that you're going to get back, which for you not only affects your life, but it's part of your job. The better response you get back, the more success you have in your work. I mean, you're getting, you're getting paid for it in essence. Well, I I mean, and, and they're not going to pay me less if the interview doesn't go as well, but I feel a very strong responsibility in an interview And it's something that I've had to practice duplicating in my own life. And that's why I know that it's possible Mm -hmm. because it's great when you can do it in an interview. That's great standing alone. But can you do that Mm 24-7? That was the test of myself. And that's why I wrote the book on kindness, because I realized that, oh, wow, it's the fact that I wouldn't even say I would say influence is a good word. But what I really, really want to make sure that people know is when I go in and I know that I belong and Mm -hmm. I own that. At the same time, I'm so sh- I'm certain to be humble enough to re- let them know I'm here for them. Right. I'm not like you said earlier. I'm not there for myself. People feel that. Like I I I do not know what they're going to answer. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't go into these things and think, okay, we need this soundbite and this soundbite and this soundbite. <laughs> I don't do that. But I do study them and research them, and I think of what I'm going to say but then I allow it to flow. Mm -hmm. I allow it to become a conversation, which you know very well about. Rather than saying, I need to make sure that we hit these points, I allow there to be an adventure. You know, it's like when you go on your first date with your sweetheart, if you go back in time to when you were, you know, dating your wife. Yeah. There's this excitement because you don't know what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. You don't quite know what you're gonna talk about, but you're in awe of her. Mm And people lose that awe. I'm in awe of what I get to do. I mean, going and covering the royal wedding and going to Thailand after being in Hong Kong, flying over China with Nev Campbell and making dim sum with Dwayne Johnson. And then I'm like sweating in 90 degree weather in the rain to cover boys being rescued from a cave. I mean, my life has been quite exciting. But your life has been exciting because you have fallen in love. Mm -hmm. And that awe that you have, you just know you're there. You know she belongs to you. You know you belong to her. I mean, I don't talk about it like this in the book, but I feel like it's necessary right now to just express to you that you've already experienced what I've experienced. I just decided to fall in love with a lot of other people. I fell in love with the cast of A Star is Born. Mm -hmm. I decided to be in awe of them. I decided to revere or respect them. Not even necessarily for what they did on screen, but the fact that they would come together as a cast and nurture this family relationship that they had was so inspiring. There was something special there for a woman who had already reached mega stardom in her music career to come to the movies for her first big screen feature debut. And she, you know, she's working with Bradley who had to learn how to sing from scratch, essentially. And then they had this tight knit bond and I'm like, I want to duplicate what you guys have done in my life. Mm-hmm. So just remember, and I'll point, and I try to point this out in the book. This book has hints and clues to where you've already done it in your life. You just have to duplicate it on a bigger scale. I, I again want to pull that out. I want folks don't miss that. It's on YouTube. Uh, your interview, there's other interviews with the cast, your interview. Now you, it was a clip. It was five minutes and probably only four minutes of that. You talk about it more in the book, but what they did there to me just points back to you. You fostered that room and the comfort level that they had and even care 
to express themselves in that way. They knew they were on a big screen and big camera with you that was going to be seen by a lot of people. They could have done their duty and sat there and answered the questions and promoted yeah. the show and whatnot. <laughs> and they cried. And yes, yeah, Sam Elliott, I can't get over him. Say after his career pointing to, or putting his hand on Lady Gaga's shoulder and saying, this was a highlight. This was a first to work with somebody of your caliber. <sighs> it, it was like a confessional that you you're like the, we're going to get, get all, you're like no, the I, priest in the room there. Come on. But you did, but no. that, but I'm going to point back again to people, for people to hear this, uh, your ability to, you know, to read them, your care to going back to kindness. You weren't just nice. You were kind, you cared about it and it just showcased you got the fruit of it. Bottom line. Well, and you know what, know what I give credit to hmm. one of the biggest things I give credit my producer. What I tell people is when you're kind, you listen to all the voices. Hmm. Um, you don't dismiss people because you're the big interviewer. When um, Anthony came in, Anthony's one of the cast who, mm -hmm. you know, was crying in that interview that you mentioned. He had walked in before anybody else. And my producer, Brian, introduced me to him and said, oh, hey, Anthony. And I'm like sitting there trying to like get all my notes down and like memorize because I'm in the zone right before they walk in. Up until I can get them in the room, I am literally like a computer, just like getting everything down, memorizing, staying, you know, just getting focused. And my producer's like, Adrian, I want you to meet Anthony. And, oh, Anthony, tell me that story about your teacher, la, 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 la. And he's talking a mile a minute. Now, I could have been nice and said, oh, so nice to meet you. And then went in my corner mm -hmm. and kept putting my game face on. Because that's what I, that's what's important to me. But what I did was I stopped and I listened to the story. And because I listened to my producer, because I know this is a team effort, because I know it's not all me, I listen to him and I hear the story that I end up bringing up in the interview that evokes so much emotion. I had no idea that it was going to be that emotional. Yeah. I did not. I felt the depth of the connection, but I did not know there would be tears in that interview. Hmm. But it was, I give all the credit in that particular exchange to the fact that kindness made room for my producer, for me to listen to him when I could have said, I'm a little busy right now. I look forward to talking to you in a moment. I could have been too busy to hear Anthony's story and I would have missed an opportunity to connect right there. And I'm telling you, it's the placement of chairs, talking to the crew ahead of time. You know, how close am I to the guests? Um, that I have a moment with each one as I have one, I have one on one moment with Sam. And I knew as soon as I looked in his eyes, I'm like, this man is going to be, I mean, he's just salt of the earth. Yeah. And he looked at me and cause he was born, I want to say he was born in Sacramento, raised in Texas. And I was raised in Sacramento or outside of Sacramento. And I was adopted in Texas because people from Texas like claim me as though I'm from Texas and I take, Full adoption because I love DFW. <laughs> yeah. But the fact was, is we bonded over one little thing. And what I will tell anybody is you don't have to be some high and mighty person to do this. You just have to be willing to not be too busy. <laughs> it took me like seven minutes to hear or less. It was probably four minutes to hear Anthony's story off camera. But it was because I wasn't too busy for my producer. I wasn't too Oh, no, not right now. Brian, you know I need to prepare. Brian, don't bother me. You know, I wasn't like that. Right. And I think that too many times we get to a point where we're like, don't bother me, kid. Don't bother me, colleague. Don't bother me, boss. You know, and I'm telling you, we all can do this. I'm not some whatever you keep calling me <laughs> all these different, you've given me a few you've bequeathed me a few titles here Good. but i'm trying to tell you this is so possible for anyone to do i am not in a class of my own i just happen to have worked on it very hard and that's why i wrote the book but i want you to know as long as you will stay kind enough not to get too busy and know that you belong somewhere you can have this too i am not a unicorn even though i like unicorns and i like the idea of unicorns I'm not a unicorn. You can be kind too. And you can be committed to kindness and get the same results. You are Adrian. I mean, you're in a, 
uh, an industry and you have a role where we would all easily expect you just as you were kind of playing with earlier that everybody's at your beck and call because you have to perform, but, but, but it is, you know, it's the talent in the room kind of thing. And you've got to perform and everybody's there that you would have a harder time for kindness for the time it takes for the investment of it. And I wonder what does it look like in your given day when you go off, you know, however your transportation is to uh, the studio and you're in there and you are being prepped, they're getting ready to put you on yeah. camera. And so in that sense, it is about you. I've never been quite in that role, but even as a, I was a pro athlete and there is some mm-hmm. aspect I actually struggled with it. Some of it, it has to be all about you. And I got tired of that to some degree, or I struggled with that, I should say, but you're saying a Amongst that, you are still able to take time for kindness. Well, that's that's a big call out. I'm sure you see a lot that don't. I wish that I um, I wish that I could have this woman on the call with me right now. Her name is Kristen. Um, she's a celebrity hairdresser. Okay. And um, she came to Good Morning America Studios because I think Ryan was on Ryan Reynolds because she does Ryan's hair and she does some other clients' hair. And I'm getting my hair done for TV and my makeup and I see her face in a reflection in the mirror and she looks distraught hmm. and she says out loud, has anybody seen my earring? <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, we're all getting our hair and makeup done. Has anybody seen your earring? But her face looks so distraught. I said, I haven't seen it, but I'll help you look for it after this. Hmm. And so she went looking, I think she went down the hall looking for this earring. Other people were like, no, no, hon, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. After I was done with the live broadcast, this, this is not a story in the book, by the way. In fact, I don't think I've ever said this story publicly, but I'll say it here. Great, please. After I was done on air, I came and found her and I said, listen, I did not know her. I didn't know she was anybody's hairstylist. I just knew she was visiting and she looked worried and I said, you know, what's the deal? Well, these earrings that she had on, one fell, and these were very sentimental to her. Somebody very precious in her life, who wasn't in her life anymore, had given them to her. And so I said, well, listen, I said, I have not seen your earring. Where do you think it was? You know, I looked in a couple of rooms. I said, I I just know you're going to find this earring. You are going to find this earring. And we stopped and we had a conversation in the hallway. I said, please let me know when you find your earring, because you are finding your earring. It turns out it was in her makeup bag. It had fallen, but we didn't talk again until like, I don't know, like a day or two later, she found it. She was so overjoyed, but she thanked me for stopping to care. Yeah. Now, again, I did not know that she did, you know, Hugh Jackman's hair and James Bond's hair and (laughs) Ryan Reynolds' hair. And, you know, the people who are groomers and who are the beauticians and, you know, hair and makeup team of high level celebrities have a lot of influence themselves. You will never know who they are in a sense. And yet they have a lot of, they, they carry some weight. But the fact is I was willing to help anybody and I was willing to pay attention. It took me maybe 15 minutes to connect with her. But number one, I owned it. Hmm. I saw her face and I stopped because I wasn't too busy to care. I just had to care. I noticed her. There are people every day around us who are hurting. There are people all, all around us. Even if in this isolation, you go to the grocery store, you, you see somebody who needs something, take them down from the high shelf. I mean, just open the door for somebody. Then the, the third thing is, is that I, when you own it, when you know you belong in that person's presence or in their life for that moment to encourage them, you can, it's amazing how quick you can connect with them. Yeah. And we, we keep in touch to this day because of a lost earring that I was willing to look for with her. It wasn't about me being the one that I've got to be the great discoverer of the earring because I'm the hero. No, it's not about being somebody's hero even, even though you will become some people's hero. It's about being caring, being willing to notice and knowing you belong there as an encourager. One thing that my coach, his name's Bill Krause, he he taught me is, Adrian, when you go to work, it is not about you getting a paycheck. It is not about you even just doing a job. You have a VIP access pass that other people don't have so that you'll meet the people who you're supposed to help and encourage today. Hmm. My job is an excuse for me to do good all over the planet. 
When I go to Hong Kong, I don't just go because I'm interviewing The Rock. I go because I say somebody I'm going to meet there is going to need a word of encouragement or a friendly look or a smile or for me to tell them a story. Or maybe they're going to tell me a story. But I go everywhere thinking there's a bigger purpose and a bigger picture to what I do. Otherwise, what is the point of just working? We all want the purpose. You know, we all want a life of fulfillment. Well, then act like it. Start fulfilling other people. That's what I say. It, it, it's, it's not so much just being so good. It's noticing, caring, and knowing you belong. Then you can help other people know they belong. Dear friend of mine and a renowned sculptor uh, named Scott Stearman, I had him on the show recently, and he talked about his own journey. He was talking from a faith-based standpoint of just being aware and present in every moment and asking God, what is my assignment? for right now. And you're bringing this to light and to go back to your chapter, it was like three or so with your mom, uh, about there's always somebody watching videotapes, always rolling. We could say, and, uh, that today we have such a desire from everyone. It seems for authenticity. We want that, that word is used over and over and over. So when you talk about this and what you did with that hairdresser, that not only is it the right thing to do, but in, I'm going to put this in a positive light. You will be found out. We, we usually use that in a negative term, right? Whatever you're doing a bad thing, you're going to be found, but from a good standpoint in today's day and age, I mean, you will be found out. You have more information on the celebrities that we all know, these powerful people of who they really are. Uh, and I'm sure you see that, that who they are, it comes out, it comes out, whether they're nice, whether they're not, whether they're this, whether they're that it comes out. But I want, I, I felt like I wanted in reading your book, wanted people to realize that the good, the kindness you're doing, even if it's not seen by everybody, if it's not on camera, not on a microphone over time, it will come out. And that's, it feels hopeful because as you're talking about, it's an, it is an investment. Can I afford that? Yeah. Can you afford that time? I mean, Come on, in your role, can you really afford that 15 yes, minutes? I can't afford not to. Okay. I think I think what I've learned is that's that's that time when we do those things behind the scenes, who we really are is when no one or we think no one is watching. Yeah. That's who we really are. And I am so thankful to tell you that and I would love for every celebrity on the planet to tell you how much kindness has played a role, not just in them being kind, but also in them having kindness return to them. The, the most famous people oftentimes are some of the sweetest people. Hmm. It's just so unlikely that you'll hear those sweet stories. And I tell some of them in the book, you know, other people would tell me a story about Hugh Jackman, for example, and I'd never met him and he came on the show and I ran up to him <laughs> and said, Hugh, I got to tell you a story about what people are saying about you. Hmm. And he was so touched. At first, he was a little shocked because I kind of rushed his green room. But I was like so bold because when you're kind and you want to share that kindness, you don't have fear. You're just like, let me tell you. And you become Mrs. or Mr. Congeniality because you're driven by the need to express the kindness. And people of high, um, I don't even, I, I, it's like, how do you describe it? The people who are on that celebrity tip um, they've been building a brand in the movie world or in the fashion world or whatever, but quietly they've been working on their own hearts to be more empathetic, to be kinder, to listen to mama's advice. It is so amazing. And I want everybody to know how wonderful kindness is. So I'm like, let's out all the people who really are really kind, but they're not going to shout their own praises. They're not going to shout their own praise. Okay. I'm going to, they're, they're going to be very anonymous and quiet about it. I'm going to ask you to out some people. Will you? Okay. We have enough junk celebrity gossip and I see it when I'm in the, you know, the checkout line at the grocery store or whatever, but we don't hear the positive stuff. Name some people who stand out, who embody well, the kindness, who would be your, who would be your evangelist for the book if you were to list them out. Well, I mean, and again, I think I think the right word would be like a cheerleader of kindness or a proponent of kindness or um, I would say definitely Hugh Jackman. You you mentioned his mother telling him to lead with kindness. Hmm. And that's something that never left him. Hmm. I would say Kobe Bryant, um, Hmm. one of the last interviews that, you know, he gave. um, He talked a lot um, to me about compassion and empathy. 
Hmm. and that he wished that he had that when he was younger, more of it when he was younger. Hmm. Um, But it was a journey of discovering more and more the need for compassion and empathy. And, And I just was so wowed by his desire to live a good life yeah. and to be a good man and not just be a good dad, but be a good teammate, be a good writer. Um, Will Smith, he shook the hands of every person. When we went to Budapest to interview him for his movie, Gemini man, he shook the hands of every staff person, people who weren't even on camera. I mean, we are in the middle, like, okay, we only have this many minutes with him and we got to shoot this and we got to go to the next thing. And he comes in, Hey, and he stops and what's your name? Ask every person's name. Hmm. And I'm in awe. I'm like, wow. It just was amazing. I mean, one of the most famous and recognizable people in the world. Dwayne Johnson, just a big teddy bear, sweetheart, funny as all get out. Um, Kevin Hart was very kind, just Hmm. gives compliments left and right to people. Um, Very much an encourager, very grateful. You know, Scarlett Johansson was very, it was interesting. She was very gentle. She has a a deep, she's humble. She's a very humble woman Hmm. from my estimation. Um, I'm trying to think of names. You know, you mentioned Will, I'm sorry, Dwayne Johnson and uh, Kevin Hart. And I watched that, I think it was yesterday, your interview with the cast uh, of Jumanji or the the main cast. Did you watch the 30 minute one that was like unedited? No, uh uh-uh. I don't think so. I'll send you a link. There's like, because I said to him, I was like, guys, I was like, this is just such a good conversation with this many people. That's a challenge. I was like, but this was such a good conversation balance between all of us. I'll send you a link. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you. But you, what about that? <laughs> uh, well, no, I just, again, it was just a, you pulled out such, you made, you, you set the tone, uh, you, your producer, your team for kindness that brought out such richness from these, uh, I- interviews, y- you know, uh, page 36 in your book. And you talked about intentional planning to be kind. And it reminded me, yeah, it reminded, it reminded me just of that, uh, you know, quote I've heard, we all know the random acts of kindness, but the question of why are those random? Why would we make those random? And you're saying, no, be intentional. And again, back to your proactive, uh, planning to be kind. And you even went into it. I really, I love this, uh, for your interviews of if you're in a, I think you said, if you're in a cold environment, I appreciated that. I live at 9,200 feet above sea level. And you said, you wow. bring, do you have lotion? We use, yes. we love lotion up here. Do you have some, <laughs> uh, you know, do you have some mints? Do you have some extra pair of gloves? Do you have some cash on hand? Do you have these things to be intentionally planning to be kind? And it comes back to what you said a minute ago, or a little bit ago, um, I do a lot of work in the health and wellness industry. I have another podcast called the true life, uh, podcast that really focus, focuses around functional medicine and it's a lifestyle of wellness. And I hear you calling it. This is a, this is a lifestyle of being kind. It's the right thing to do. And it's going to help your success more than anything else. I feel like if, if, if people can just grasp that on and grasp the gravity, yeah, I want you to have a course. Can you do a, a professorship of the, yeah, there is an e-course. Um, part of the book is an e-course. If you go to your hidden people actually could take a course that I developed uh, with the help of my publisher. And it's includes things that are in the book, but it also includes things that are not in the book including how to vision board your relationships, how to architect your relationships, which I'm very proud of. So um, they can do that. I have a couple of other e-courses on Gen Connect U. Um, It's a platform that really is about combining the wisdom of our older uh, brothers and sisters with our younger, uh, because we all need people who've lived some life and some experience, but we also need the vitality and the energy and the innovation uh, that youth brings. And um, yeah, I speak a lot too, so. I'm, I'm always willing to come and say hi and, yeah. and give people a taste of what I'm talking about. So. Adrian, I, I'm just grateful. Thank you for being willing to come spend this time uh, with us, with this audience. I was so excited to bring you and this message uh, to them. Thanks for taking the time out of, I'm sure you would be fine just uh, continuing on your career without taking the time to write a book and to write this message. And I just adore the way that you did it. I, the way that you brought it, the gravity you gave it and the tangibility of it. 
And I, as I often am, I feel like I'm the, I'm the greatest recipient of this. Well, my family will be hearing about you at the dinner table. Uh, t- actually, not tonight. We're going camping. I told you that. The next night. The next <laughs> around night. Around the s'mores and the Around fire, the yes. s'mores talking about <laughs> kindness. There's nothing I yeah. would rather see for my kids. There's nothing I value more than seeing their kindness uh, amongst themselves. So thank you. We'll keep talking about this. Uh, I'd love this to be an ongoing conversation with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate it. Such a powerful paradigm shifting message on kindness from Adrian Bankert. Again, find Adrian's new book and get access to the Your Hidden Superpower e-course. Go to yourhiddensuperpower.com. Coming up in episode 790, what would you ask Zig? If you had his attention all to yourself, what areas of life or business would you ask Zig Ziglar's counsel on? Few people on earth have been sought after for their guidance more than Zig Ziglar. So I asked the question, if you could have a one hour consultation with Zig Ziglar, what area of life or business would you get his advice on? I mean, the responses covered such issues as faith, sales, relationships, working with family, regrets, self-image, and much more. The responses were so many and so significant Tom Ziegler and I spent nearly an hour and 45 minutes addressing them all. It was just that worthwhile. It was enough that we're going to turn this into a two-part show. This may be some of the best of Ziegler you're going to ever find. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <music>